This podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Writing Project. OWP supports teachers from all over Ohio and celebrates the professionalism, expertise, and talent of our state's educators. Ohio Writing Project. Teachers teaching teachers. Welcome to Write Answers, a production of the Ohio Writing Project. My name is Noah Waspy, and today I'm going to be sharing an interview I did with Alfred Depew. He's an artist and writer based out of Vancouver, British Columbia, and his book The Melancholy of Departure won the Flannery O'Connor Award for short fiction a while back, and I can't wait to share our chat with you. But first, a poem. This poem's called Rabbit's Foot by Jake Massillon. A going out of business sale, and I can't resist the chance to get out of the rain. Eagle-eyed shoppers are tearing the place apart as dead-eyed employees muster up the heart to greet everyone who enters. And I can't help but laugh as I approach the counter to see Lucky Rabbit's Feet, 75% off. So today's guest, Alfred Depew, is quite a character. I actually met him by chance in an office supply store in the Penn Isle. We got to talking and we found out that we were both teachers, we were both interested in writing, and as I got to talking to him more, I found out that he had gone to the University of New Hampshire a while back, back when Don Murray was teaching there. If you don't know who Don Murray is, he's one of the founders of the way we teach writing workshop today. I guess you could say, he along with Don Graves and several others. And I was just so intrigued. I was like, what was he like as a teacher? We should talk sometime. So we scheduled a time when we could chat. And as it turns out, in addition to being a writer, Alfred has taught um, at several different colleges in the U.S. and in Canada. And it all started when he walked into one of Don Murray's writing workshops at the University of New Hampshire. And we talk a lot about that later on in the interview. At the beginning of the interview, I was just curious about his writing process, and it starts with a typewriter. And I have to say, it might seem unconventional, his process, that is. But if you really think about it, I think there are some really great insights that we can get about teaching writing from thinking about Alfred's writing process. I'll let you see for yourself. Here it is, my interview with Alfred Depew. There's just something um, enervating or interrupting or not able to complete a thought before I started correcting. Mm. So the correcting mind, my correcting mind, I know other people have more discipline about this um, and can actually get, plus I didn't know where I was on a, well, I could in a page, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. There was just something that, when I uh, when I went back to something told me to go back to the manual typewriter. Um, I think there's something really important in here with this constraint that the typewriter creates that every writer probably thinks about and writing teachers might want to think about more. 
I think there are two things that I'm kind of picking up on from what you're saying. Like one of them is the typewriter, there's, there are going to be errors. You can't fix them. And the part of the brain that wants everything to be perfect gets in the way of us getting anything done. So just knowing that from the get-go means you just have to keep writing and not worry about it being good. And I think that's probably a big part of the process is, is what I'm imagining. And there's a ding at the end of every line. I, you, we, we mustn't minimize the ding. There's something about that, tap, 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 you know, and it's almost like playing a piano or something. It's like, there's a musical quality. Yeah. Um, whereas with these keys, it always sounded to me like a, a poodle going across linoleum, you know, you know, it's these little claws, but you know, I mean, this is, has a jazz element, you know, there's a syncopation and then a ding and then a, yeah. Sometimes the ding comes fast and sometimes it doesn't come fast because you're staring out the window, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I hated, I hated electric typewriters because they wouldn't shut up. They just went, mm, yeah. why aren't you typing? Mm, I'm not electric, <laughs> mm, you're wasting electricity. Mm. Ah, yeah. <laughs> and there's something Pavlovian too. You're getting the positive reinforcement from the satisfying clicks of the keyboard and you're getting the Pavlovian ding at the end of every line. Pavlovian ding. Right? I mean, I think there's some science that can be blended with the art that you're describing. Maybe. Well, and let's, you know, if there's no science, let's just make it up. You know, that's not yeah. a problem. <laughs> We're writers, right? <laughs> so, so would you describe your writing process with the typewriter? Would you describe it as like just not worrying about, or at least this part is not worrying about the mistakes and just plowing forward? And then how do you deal with um, fixing things or deal with the corrections that you might want to make? No how do you fix, deal with that? No fix, no correction. I, it's interesting that in, in the studio space that I have, I, have, I do not have any liquid paper or any whiteout. And so my agreement with myself was purposeless, aimless, drawing, writing, and painting. Mm -hmm. Purposeless, aimless, no objective. So I literally just put the, the paper in and I just started to type. What's on my mind? Here I am in this empty space, blank walls, you know, Mm -hmm. coming in the window it's it's like just following 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 what am i where is my thought going yeah and after literally the first i don't know maybe maybe the whole first year was just that and so i'd i'd number the pages and i'd put them in a box and okay. then at the end of a certain period of time i had 200 pages wow. in this box and i thought oh i wonder what i wonder what's in the box What's in the box? What's in the box. <laughs> Start reading. I thought, oh, oh, and then the old technology, a pen or a pencil. Sometimes mm -hmm. it's a number two pencil. Remember those? And I, yes, you used to sell them at Staples. <laughs> it's um, and I would underline things and and make make note and go and circle and I go, oh, I think there's an idea there. And then I notice certain patterns. Mm -hmm. like, oh, I keep writing about drawing because that's the other thing I was doing. Um, and so I had all these thoughts 
embedded in this wandering mess of TypeScript about drawing. So I thought, well, what if I pulled all those pieces? So again, manual typewriter, no, no computer. This is a computer-free zone. Um, and I went through and retyped all the little bits in no particular order, but I knew that they were all loosely about drawing. And then mm -hmm. sometimes I add things. Oh, I'd, I'd follow, I'd, 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 you know, extend that thought. Um, and then I would add to it. So I was like getting it fat, mm -hmm. making it big, um, going and it, all sorts of tangents, um, parts about painting. Oh, that's not drawing, painting. I don't care. I'm thinking about painting. So we're going. Blah, 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 blah. So that was kind of my first draft. Wow. And then it's maybe 40 pages. Oh, wow. This is a big fat ball of I don't know what. I wonder what's in here. Meanwhile, back at the old technology. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, draw, you know, like, oh, arrows. Oh, this is kind of related to that. Oh, page eight, see page eight. So then I began typing a second draft. And I type and type and type what I had in the first draft or mm -hmm. a new idea if it occurred or this is where a, be a beginning bit of like fix it meant like, oh, I don't like how I say that, but I don't know how else to say it. So I stare out the window a little bit and I'm listening to the radio and I'm getting up and making another cup of coffee. I also have a kettle. Um, and then I'm, um, then I'm coming back and I'm thinking, I can't, I don't know, I don't know. That's the way, so I just retype what's there. Okay. And then proceed. Um, uh, so then the third draft. By the third draft, I'm beginning to sense that this might have a shape or a rhythm. Mm -hmm. That it, it's, I'm beginning to, because I have typed and retyped, some of which is kind of boring, you know, especially mm -hmm. boring parts. I go, oh, I hate this part. Oh, this is the, so this doesn't, I don't know what to do about it, but I don't want to let it, you know, because I know I want to get to page three where something interesting starts to happen again. Okay, type, 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 type. Um, but then say, let's the, the, the third draft in a, a shape, it, it begins to, to, oh, I think this is maybe the real beginning. Yeah, maybe this is the beginning. Okay, what if we begin here? And then um, at, at that point, I may actually take another sheet of paper and begin to um, do a sort of structural outline. Like mm -hmm. a, this part comes first, this part comes second, this part comes third, fourth, fifth, sixth. So, um, and then I type and retype. And as I type and retype, it's almost like um, a little refining process or um, uh, a boiling something down. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't know if there's a cooking thing that you do with mm -hmm. fruit to make it a compost, you know, sort of like that. Um, uh, and then, Oh, then I think, oh, now I know what it's about. Oh, this is, oh, there's some life here. Where is the life in it? So my first essay um, uh, was drawing in talent. Mm. And um, so I put that aside. And that's when I went to the computer. That's when I thought, okay, now I will go to the word processor um, to, uh, do the sort of final editing and the, mm -hmm. the spell check and the this, that, and the other thing. And then I 
I put that in a, a file and then I'm back in the studio with, I wonder where, what else is in these 200 pages? So I wanna just overly simplify what you just said and maybe make it more linear than it really is because I think that what you're describing has some really interesting teaching applications as well as like applications for people who are interested in writing and learning more about how to come up with a really good process that'll work for them. It seems like you have this purposeless, aimless part of the writing. And I think purposeless, not in like an aimless, not in a bad way, right? It sounds like it's just, you're taking the pressure off. In you're our culture, the that is the bad way. <laughs> yeah, right? So but, yes, in a bad way, in a sense. And it's probably the most important part because you can't chisel a statue without the medium that you're chiseling, right? And that's where you're creating the medium. You're creating the block of marble. That's exact. That's exactly what I wrote down. Yeah, <laughs> and then, <laughs> and you, and then you just put it in a box. Don't think about it. Not worried about it because that could get in the way of the creation of the uh, marble. And then partway through, you a little bit of curiosity comes into play, and then the curiosity becomes the motor that drives the the pivot to. Um, becoming like the meaning maker where you move into draft two and you start looking for the meaningful moments and connecting all that stuff that happens when we're making meaning of something. Then draft three, it, you start to experience the boredom and then you have to do something about it. So you're creating like curiosity creates a problem to solve, problem used very loosely. Boredom creates a problem to solve where the maybe the mechanic or the chiseler, the artist has to come in. And then from there on out, it becomes fine tuning. That is a, a good metaphor. And it's I'm just thinking. Good. Go ahead. You're you thinking. I just don't see. I think that's an amazing process. Whether you're using a typewriter or some other constraint or an office or some other constraint to create that purposeless, aimless section. And then moving through the different, putting on different hats, I guess, maybe is what you're doing throughout the process. I think Amy Buckner in a book called Notebook Know-How talks a little about bit about something that's close to what you're describing hmm. where kids just write in their notebooks and have notebooks time and then they flip through and look for patterns. Yes. We used to call it free writing in, in certain, um, uh, you know, high school and middle school teachers, especially. Um, and there was, you know, in the eighties, the everybody, at least in Northern New England, you know, this was kind of in the air. Mm -hmm. um, uh, so, and journals, like, and then mining the journal. Well, like, what do you see in the journals? What gets your, you know, what are you curious about? So the, the what you're calling a constraint used to be just like writing. The form though, and we're also talking about form. So that's always tricky because usually in the classroom, we, we the form, comes first, mm -hmm. tell you how to write an essay. This is what an essay is. This is what an essay does. This is the first paragraph, second paragraph, third paragraph. Now I'll go write one. Okay, mm -hmm. so I'm teaching in an art school. So I've, I've been a graduate student um, supervised by Don Murray um, as a teaching assistant in the literature program at University of New Hampshire. I wasn't, I wasn't part of the writing clique. But I was fascinated, <laughs> you know, like, what are you, not about what they were writing, but how they were writing it, mm -hmm. because that was what was uniting the whole 
freshman English program. Mm -hmm. At UNH in those days was exciting. Engineers and nurses loved their freshman English so much that they wanted, they all petitioned for a second level, like a sophomore class on the essay. Interesting. Not the English majors so much, the engineers, you know, the nurses, the, the science, you know, it's like, whoa, what is happening here? It's like, you know, this, this is very remarkable because it'll, mm -hmm. in a lot of English faculties at American universities, mm -hmm. freshman English is the thing you do not want to teach and you do not, you know, people want to try, place out of, uh, that's why they do advanced placement. It's called bonehead English. It's taught by, you know, um, part-time people and mm -hmm. graduate students who don't really care. They just want to do research on Faulkner or something like that. But at UNH, everybody who taught it, even those fusty old PhDs were kind of coming alive. It was changing the nature of how we experienced writing. That's something. So, so what do you think it was about uh, Don Murray's class that was drawing in so many people? He wasn't an academic. He was a professional writer. He was a journalist. He wasn't an academic. That's the key. What do you think that was making? What do you think that that helped him bring to the table for people who made who were getting in, just getting into writing or he was an writing writer? Mm -hmm. That's how he spent his morning. He wrote. Mm -hmm. So how did that translate into his teaching? Wow. That's a big question. Well, the, and it's it just it throws me, Noah, because. There was no reason for him to teach without being a writer. You know, it's not like, how did that translate? That's who he was. Mm -hmm. That's what he brought. He walked into the, the classroom. What I'm picking up on, though, is like yes. school adds. There are sometimes when you when structure can be useful, like sometimes there are situations in which deadlines can be useful. Sometimes there are moments when having a certain structure that you have to pour your ideas into instead of being free form can be useful. Absolutely. But what happens sometimes with school is because it becomes all about the structure, all about the deadline, all about the assessment, and it's, it falls out of balance. And what Absolutely. I'm kind of picking up on is maybe Don Murray, just as a writer who just cares about process, is bringing a, something different to the table, a different set of values that students were latching onto. Absolutely. They were professional writer values. They were mm -hmm. Boston Globe newsroom values. Mm -hmm. Can you describe like um, a class or a moment when you witnessed him teaching? Well, I think I just I described my first meeting with him at a, a, a conference on uh, teaching writing at the University of Vermont, because that's where I started uh, graduate school in, in American literature. And um, so as I say in the essay, I, I didn't like the guy. I mean, I, you know, partly because of what people were saying about him. Already they had made him a sort of a saint. Oh, Donald Murray this and Don Murray that. And I'm a disciple and I'm thinking, oh shit. <laughs> like, what am I gotten into? It's, it's a cult, you know? What? <laughs> so I walk in and he's this very big, jolly guy with an enormous presence. He was a paratrooper for Christ's sake, you know? I mean, it's like, <laughs> he, was, he was not a diminutive, shy person. Um, but a, a spirit, um, uh, 
that he there was a big heartedness and a spirit that was not about him mm -hmm. looking mm -hmm. back that's what i noticed this was not about don murray this was about the students it was about us and it was about our experience writing so we all had these these uh, index cards card number one write down I don't know, 25 uh, um, details about a person, place, or thing. Do, 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 do. This is a structure. This is a, okay, okay, great. Number two, card number two, write a paragraph that is, um, uses those details. Oh, we'll write a paragraph. Card number three, make any changes you want to in that paragraph. Oh, okay. Oh, wow, this is a whole new paragraph. You know, okay, finish. What did you learn? Wow, I noticed that, da, 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 da. whoa, that, I noticed something totally different. I, oh, here's what I noticed. Anyone want to read? Sure. Blah, whoa, ha, 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 ha. you know, the whole place came alive. It had nothing to do with Don Murray and his personality. It had everything to do with the student and their experience. Can you talk about your process when you're having a conference with the writer? Oh yeah, that's where I, I totally came alive. That's where I learned how to hold space for revision. Um, I learned a lot about holding space period and, and listening. So the whole thing about writing processes, to my mind, listening, listening to myself and my own mind. But when I'm working with another writer, listening to what they're saying about the draft, so at some point, we, um, I stopped uh, reading the drafts before. So they would come in with a draft they were working in, mm -hmm. sit down. My first question is, what's going on in the draft? What are you learning? What's it about? Oh, it's about, oh, that sounds interesting. So where in this draft, where does the energy seem to be? Pause, student looks through their draft. Mm, well, I think, I don't, I don't know. Let me just, let me just read the first paragraph. Read the first paragraph. Pause. What are you hearing? I ask them what they're hearing first. Well, that's not really what it's about. Oh, take a look at the draft. Where does it seem to get to what it's really about? Or tell me what it's really, you know, this is really about, you know, the, my uncle making this big mistake and burning down the bar. Mm -hmm. Well, where does that begin to happen in the draft? Oh, um, page three, read that out loud. What do you hear? Wow, that's much more interesting. So, yeah, that's, I kind of noticed it too. I want to know what happens next. Off they go for, for, for the second draft what I'm picking up on is like it's not just about what a writer does that we're teaching them it's giving the writer what they need in terms of like yes. what do you need in order to look at your piece the way that you need to look at it we're giving them time space and loving attention mm -hmm. we're giving them listening that is a gift
So that was my interview with Alfred Depew. Well, actually, it was maybe half of my interview with Alfred Depew. In the second half, which is not in this episode, we talk about uh, what went into his book, The Melancholy of Departure, and we talked a little bit more about writing process, and I plan on releasing that content sometime this summer, so be on the lookout for it. It was an awesome, wide-ranging conversation, and I'm glad that I got to share at least part of it with you right away. So if you want to find out more about Alfred Depew and his work, I have links to it in our show notes in this episode's description, as well as information about how you can be involved or more involved with the Ohio Writing Project. For example, as part of our spring credit workshop series on March 5th and 6th, OWP has partnered with the Lane Public Library in Fairfield, Ohio, for a workshop about picture books and YA lit, finding inspiration to build a community of readers. So be sure, like I said, be sure to check out those show notes because they have some really good information and links to how you can really do some cool stuff with OWP. As we say all the time, when teachers teach teachers, amazing things can happen. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Right Answers.